Um, this kind of uh, came to me while I was sat in a prayer meeting during our week of uh, prayer and fasting. And uh, I think I went to a prayer meeting and the subject was the crucifixion of Jesus. And as people were praying and we were thinking about the crucifixion, I just sat there and looked at my hands, how soft they are. And um, thinking what the hands of Jesus would have actually looked like. Uh, of course, as a, as a carpenter, they would have been probably rough and a few chunks missing, maybe, where he missed the nail. But then I thought, you know, how his hands were then put onto a cross and probably had um, nails, stakes, they were called, driven through his, actually through his wrist. Um, and just that whole thought about the hands of Jesus. And, and it kind of just kind of rolled from there, really. And I started to think about how did Jesus use his hands? And um, so I've read a sermon. Uh, hopefully we can go through it together. And, it, and, it, and I just want you to think about the hands of Jesus and how the hands of Jesus today can help you. The Bible is very clear, isn't it, that Jesus is yesterday, today, forever the same. We have a saviour who doesn't change in terms of his heart and his love and his passion for you. And so we're going to kind of explore and look at that Hands are amazing, you know, aren't they? Just take a look at your hands, okay? You have um, 29 major, uh, major and minor bones in your human hand. Um, and uh, we can go and talk about the fact that 25% um, of your brain's cortex is the area which controls all the movement dedicated to the, hands, it, the muscles in the hands. quarter of your brain is to get these things going. But they are truly amazing, aren't they? Touch can increase uh, the release of oxytocin, which makes you feel good. So, this could be a bit, sc a bit scary for some. Why don't you just reach out and touch the person next to you? Some of you are not too sure. <laughs> You've just released some oxytocin. Does that make you feel good? Why not? It should. And holding hands, now I'm not going to ask you to do this, <laughs> shown to decrease uh, levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. So just, you know, if you're feeling stressful, reach out, take somebody's hand, and it, it might help. But you see, in the Bible, hands are mentioned 1,433 times. That you really wanted to know, didn't you? You can go home from church and say, I learned something today. 1,433 times. But I want to look, talk about Jesus' hands, okay? And I'm going to pick three stories from the New Testament where Jesus used his hands and what he did with them. And hopefully you'll sit there and go, yeah, that is amazing. And then what I want you to think about is the lessons we learn from each situation. What do we learn from this situation? And what I think we learn is that Jesus is the same today as he's always been. And that what Jesus did in a field or in a boat... Or in a house, he can still do today. And maybe today you need the touch of Jesus Christ upon your life for the things you're going through. Okay? So we are going to have some prayer ministry at the end. We're going to invite people to come up and pray if you would like some prayer this morning. The other thing is the team aren't ready for that. Um, so I'm going to just pick on people like the elders and they'll come up and pray with you. So just a warning to those who are eldership. Or past elders, Mrs. Mars. Okay? So we're going to have some ministry this morning. That's my plan. Okay? Because actually what we want is we want the touch of Jesus upon our lives. Because it makes a huge difference. So let's think about the first story. And um, here we go. The first story is when Jesus 
Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to work out the next one. Hands to provide. You know, I knew I got it wrong. I was just about to preach on something else. Anyway, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This sermon is so long. It's going to take hours. <laughs> Do you know, it's 2,885 words. Oh! <laughs> okay. Do you know what? I've sent myself the wrong version. Anyway, we're going to have to work on what I've got on here. Okay, so, Jesus, hands to provide. Okay, so let's talk about what Jesus did to provide for people. Now, we all know the story, or maybe we don't, of the feeding of the 5,000. And, you know, we, we hear the story, don't we? You've probably heard it in Sunday school. Isn't it a lovely story? Isn't it beautiful? And it's found in... All four Gospels. So it's a significant story. So, um, and again, my notes are just really off. I'm going to forget that. So, right. So Jesus, so you won't get 2,885 words. But Jesus was there with his disciples. He just actually heard, uh, or he was going to hear on that day, that John the Baptist had been beheaded. John was dead. John uh, was uh, related to Jesus' cousin. uh, And he was probably heartbroken that his friend... His co-worker, his cousin, had been beheaded. But on that day, the Bible says that Jesus was teaching, and he was teaching all day. He was literally, can you think about me teaching all day? Okay? You and mine would be over there. But most of you, and you know, if I was doing it all day, you'd sit there going, barely dirty. I could really do with some food. And so Jesus is teaching, and he recognises these people, they have have nothing to eat, only what they brought. And by the end of the day, they were getting hungry. And Jesus could see that. He had that in his mind. And he then says to his disciples, you know, the, people, the disciples says, you know, these people are hungry. Jesus says, well, you give them something to eat. And again, oh, you know, it's one of those things they probably wish they'd never said. You know, when you say something, oh, no, I've now got to do something about it. It's like when you're at home and, and something's gone wrong in the house and you tell your wife and she says, oh, you go and sort it. And you go, that's, my, that's how I feel anyway. So, so there they are, and you know, they, they scatter around, they're running around saying, Have you got anything? No, you've eaten your sandwiches all over your face. And you've got anything? No, you haven't got anything. And they find this little boy, bless him, he's got five loaves, two fish. And he's standing there going, Oh, look what I've got. And of course, we have this. I, I love telling this story at school because he's got to decide what he's going to do with it. Maybe his mum was really kind and cap, tap, gave him a ten fish and ten rolls and four fish. I don't know. But he stood there. What am I going to do with this? And he, and he literally just hands it over to the disciples who run to Jesus. Can you imagine? Jesus is standing there. And they turn up. We've got 5,000 people. More like 12 because we're encountering the men. Can you imagine how stupid they probably felt? Oh, we've got all these people and you couldn't see them for like hundreds of yards. Uh, we got five rolls and two fish. And they were small barley rolls. You know, they're not the ones you get in Morrison's, which are big and cheesy on top. They're kind of, you know, the little ones. And the fish wouldn't have been, they would have been like this, little herrings. And... Imagine how stupid they felt, but they gave them to Jesus. And what happened next just blew everybody's mind. Because all of a sudden, Jesus takes these things in his hands. He holds them. 
Can you realise actually what he, he held them in his hands so that's how much food there was. It wasn't, you know, a big shop. It was, you know, just a tiny amount of food. He blesses it and then he breaks it. And he breaks it. And he breaks it. And he breaks it. And all of a sudden, the disciples are running around. There's only 12 of them, by the way. And all of a sudden, they have to feed 12,000 people. That's 1,000 people each. Because what Jesus did, he took something so small and he broke it and he broke it and he broke it. And he provided enough for everyone. It said everyone had their fill. Okay? Of course there would have been some children who had a small amount. There would have been some ladies there who maybe had a little bit more. And of course you've got your big blokes who would have just kept going. But even for them, there was enough. And it says there were 12 baskets left over. And, you know, you might think, well, there's a little basket, you know. These are baskets that the guys used to fish. And they would have been huge baskets. And there's 12 of those left over. Interesting, isn't it? There were 12 baskets. How many disciples? They had a basket each. How lovely is that? But what the story tells us is that actually, that Jesus' hands provide exactly what's needed. And you may look at your life and go, oh man, this is, I need this and I need this. I need a job. David, got one? Praise God. I need an appointment. Where's he gone? He's there. I got one. And that God is in the business of providing what we need. And you may say, well, this is what I need. I, 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 you know, I need something... I need help in my marriage. I need help with my kids. We, we need help financially. We need wisdom in the decisions we're going to have to make which will affect the rest of our future. I need all these things. And I want to say to you today that God provides what we need if we give him the situation. He is more than able to provide. And you know, I, I was thinking, well, what about what's happened in my life? What can I relate and, and I just am amazed at this church and what God has done in this church. I remember somebody saying when, when we came to Basingstoke, they talked about Buckskin being that little brethren church. <laughs> it's not little, is it? It's, it's not brethren, someone said. We have roots, don't we? Those are good roots, by the way. But we're not a brethren church. We're a church that is alive and active and blessing the local community with an amazing building that God has provided. And, um, you know, I was... Uh, I, I had a meeting on Monday with master planners <coughs> for Buckskin. Architects who came from London, no less. And they were, we had to talk about what they want to do in Buckskin. And it was a great meeting. We had people from the community here. We had some people from Sovereign Housing in. It was a great meeting. But what I was so pleased about, they just said, what an amazing building you've got. What an amazing building. I'm thinking, yeah, God is so good. And God has provided for this church. 
year after year after year. And we thank God for all those who've gone before and have built this church. We thank for everybody who's in this church who builds it. But ultimately, we thank God that he has provided what has been needed all the way through the journey. And if you're a Christian and you're struggling today, I want to say to you, look to Christ. Look to Jesus. His hands hold what you need. Through his hands, you can have what you need. It's about giving those things to him. So we fed the 5,000. How exciting is that? What's the next one I'm supposed to talk about? Oh, okay. Right, so the story goes like this. And I'm sorry I haven't got a Bible, but um, it, you just need to look in, in, in the Bible. It's there, I promise you. <laughs> I'm not making it up. So if the story goes like this. So Jesus... Um, uh, so they feed the 5,000 people. Jesus is dealing with the process. Oh, all this stuff's happened to John the Baptist. He's dead, and oh, he's my friend and cousin, and amazing ministry that he had. He was really upset. He fed 5,000 people. At that point, it's a big meal to provide, isn't it? Okay? It's a big dinner. We did make lunch during the summer. I went home out of sleep. <laughs> Can you imagine dealing with the feeding of the... T- Five, twelve thousand people. That's a busy day, isn't it? Okay? And then you're going emotionally, you fed all these people. I've been teaching all day. I'm really tired. I need to be on my own. Has anybody ever feel like that? Oh, yeah, just a few of you. The rest of you didn't put your hands up, but it's true. We all need to be on our own sometimes just to kind of process. So Jesus then says to his disciples, Look, guys, we're going on the other side of the lake. Why don't you just get in the boat? And uh, you get in the boat, you go across the lake, I'm going up the mountain because I need to talk to my father. So the Bible says that Jesus went up the mountain to pray. He's up on the mountain, gets a good view of the lake because the the moon is probably shining over it. And there's the disciples, they get in their boat, they're all fishermen, they know how to do this. They row out, put up a sail maybe and off they go. And Jesus goes, I'm on the air. As they go across the lake, the Bible says that the storm came. And the storm brews and it gets worse and worse. And so they're really fighting for their lives. And then, out of the spray and the waves, they see someone walking on the water. In the, in the Bible, it says they thought they saw a ghost. Okay, because that was the belief that the fishermen had. That when people drowned on the lake, as people did, because the weather was sometimes terrible, that the ghosts of those who drowned, they walked on the water of the lake. And so there they see this person walking on water. And of course, you, you think, well, it can't be a person because fishermen know that water, you can't walk on water. But Jesus does that one. He walks across the lake to them, literally walking on water in a storm. That is quite amazing. Okay, so we've seen one amazing thing. Providing thousands. The next thing, Jesus is walking on the lake. He walks across the water. They see him coming. They go, ah! And then he says, oh, you know, don't worry. It's only me. And then we have Peter. Oh, Peter's great, isn't he? He's one of these people, yes, let's go for it. <laughs> Maybe a few others. Yes, come on. And then Jesus hears him have a conversation, don't they? It's basically, you know, Lord, tell me to come to you. Yeah. And Jesus says, well, come on, mate. Now, at that point, we are all amazed by Peter, aren't we? Yeah. 
Yeah? Good old Peter. He is amazing. He is literally stepping over the side of the boat and putting his foot on water and he finds that he can walk on water. Amazing. What a brilliant man. The other one goes out and then he starts to walk. The only other person, Jesus, who ever walked on water. And there he is. We all wish we could have the faith of Peter, don't we? And then he walks across and he suddenly looks at Jesus. I'm coming, Jesus. I'm coming to you. And then he, oh, oh my goodness, look at that one. Clap of thunder. A streak of lightning. The waves come. He's just hit him in the face. And all of a sudden he thinks, now he could use some very common words, couldn't we, to express how he felt. Oh, what have I done? And so he then starts to sink. Okay, he is going down. Because we know that we can't walk on water unless we're Jesus. And all of a sudden he goes down, down. And at that point, a hand reaches up and holds him. And instead of going down, he's lifted up and together they get in the boat. What an amazing thing that Jesus did. Because Jesus showed actually to Peter what could happen. Peter didn't quite get there, did he? Peter had faith to walk, get out of the boat, but not quite enough to walk on water in a storm. You see, the hand of Jesus lifted him up. And today, maybe that's you. And we, we sang that beautiful song, Cornerstone, didn't we? About being in the storm. And maybe today, you are in the storm of your life. You're struggling with things. Maybe nobody else knows what's going on in your heart and your life and the things you're struggling with. Or maybe it's a family situation. You think, I just don't know. What's going to happen? I am desperate. The storm is raging. And I want to say, actually, there is a hand in the midst of the storm that will lift you up and will hold on to you and be your strength and be what you need. And that is the hand of Jesus. If I have my notes, I'll be able to find a verse in the Old Testament. I think it's found in Psalm 18. And it talks about how Jesus, I was in the mire, it said. I was in the mud. And the hand lifted me up. It lifted me up and put me on a rock. And for me, that's a picture of what Jesus does. He lifts us from the mire and puts us on a rock. And for you today, maybe that's what you need to hear, that actually God hasn't abandoned you. You may feel you're, you're kind of sinking, you're drowning, but there is a hand who will lift you and lift you and put you on a rock. Last one. Let's talk about hands to heal. Ah, I love this story. Found in Mark chapter 1, if you want to have a look at it. I can't remember the verses. Should have put them on there. I love this story. So Jesus is preaching and a guy turns up who is con- covered in leprosy. Now... Um, Leprosy in those days, a horrible condition. Absolutely awful. There was no cure. You, uh, once you caught leprosy, you had it for about 10 years before you died. But basically your body rotted. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's lots of kind of uh, stories about people who've had leprosy, losing fingers, toes. You, your face becomes disfigured. Your, your, uh, 
or vocal organs are attacked, so you sound very awful. Scary. And in, in that society, thank you, Emma, for my impression of a leper. But in that society, you were just, you were just outcast, because actually, the, the religious people said, we're not having you in the temple, and then everybody else says, we don't want you, because you're rotting. Your body is literally rotting. Nobody wanted to be with the lepers. They would put them in a separate place where they all lived together. They all rotted together. And this leper comes to Jesus. Found in Mark chapter 1, you'll see. He comes to Jesus. Now, at that point, uh, Jesus should have stepped back and said, well, you're not allowed to come near me because you're a leper, and you should be shouting, unclean, unclean, unclean. But he doesn't step back. He comes to Jesus. And he says these words to Jesus, if you are willing, guess what? You can make me clean. Wow, that is amazing, isn't it? Here's a man who is dying from the inside out, who says to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And it says, the next thing it says, Jesus was a bit indignant, actually. It's a great word. It's not a word I ever use, to be honest, about being indignant. But Jesus, he was a bit cross. Because this guy had said to him, well, you know, if you're willing, Jesus. And Jesus is going, willing? I'm always willing to do stuff like this. There's no way I don't want to hear you. And then, you can imagine this, can't you? He puts out his hand and he touches the leper. He touches a leper whose face is falling off. And he says, I am willing. Be clean. And it says, and Mark's a great gospel. If you haven't read Mark recently, just have a go and read, read through it because it's only I mean, 15, 16 chapters. But it moves so fast and it says immediately that man was healed. Spot on. That, you know, it, it didn't take, you know, go away and think about it. He was immediately healed. The touch of Jesus. And, you know, for me, it just shows the compassion of Jesus. The compassion he had that he stands in front of a leper and his heart is, I want you to be healed. I don't want you to be the state you're in. I want to change your life forever. He was more than willing to do that. But he showed his compassion by just reaching out a hand. That man had probably not been touched for years. No one would go near him. He was touched by Jesus and immediately he was healed. <coughs> that is the hands of Jesus. And not only did he touch the leper, he touched the dead girl. You're not supposed to touch dead people, are you? Unless you've got his job. But he touched the dead girl. Just said, get up. And she came to back, back to life. He touched the boy, the casket of the boy who, who had died. He made mud and touched the blind man and healed him. Just look in the Bible and you see the touch of Jesus, how the touch of Jesus brought healing into people's lives. And we have seen people healed in this church. So the answer is Jesus still heals today. And I share that message because I really feel that today 
Maybe there are some people who do need healing here. So we're going to offer some prayer for healing later. The touch is such a powerful thing, isn't it? Because it shows actually love and concern. It shows that somebody is with you. I went to see Daphne in hospital. Daphne's over 90 years old. And really, she's got dementia. She's, she's not communicative. That, that's the right word. It was lovely just to hold her hand. Shara was there. And then she took her hand and placed it on mine. And that touch just shows concern and love and a bond. The other end of the scale was on Friday, I picked up my grandson and put my hand on his. And he put my, his hand around my finger. And the touch just shows a bond and a love. And I want to encourage you today. We're going to have some more worship. We're going to have some prayer. And I want each one of us to know the touch of Jesus upon our lives. And maybe today you especially need that. We've talked about how Jesus provides what we need. And maybe today you're sitting there going, oh, I need so much. Why don't you reach out to God today? Maybe today it's about the fact that you, you feel you're sinking and drowning and life is tough and why don't you reach out to Jesus who can lift us and bring his strength to bear in our lives. Or maybe you just need healing. Just healing. Maybe there's part of your body that's um, giving up on you. Maybe today you need the touch of Jesus to bring healing. Whatever you need, the truth is that when we reach out to God, God always gives us. He knows exactly what we need. So I'm going to ask that we pray together now and ask the team to come up. And um, and I'll offer some prayer this morning. And I'm uh, going to ask if I could have some prayer team and elders at the front. And as we worship, if you would like prayer, you can come. Um, firstly, it's free. Don't cost. We don't charge in this church for that kind of thing. Secondly, God is in the house. And thirdly, you don't know what God will do. But God is good. And God will bless. And God will do what only he can do. Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we reflect on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. The one who loves us, who gave his life for us. The one who is always with us through his spirit. And we pray now, Lord, that as we spend time worshipping, as we pray with people, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would do a work in this place. Lord, that you would provide for each of us all that we need. Father, we pray that you would do the things that perhaps seem impossible for some of us. We ask, Lord, that for those who are struggling, you might lift them up and give them new strength and new courage and new hope. And Father, we pray for those who need healing today. 
we ask, Lord, that you'll, you would touch their lives to bless them, to bring healing to their body, to their mind, to their heart, and to their soul. And we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I'm going to be, um, if I could have some prayer team, that would be great. If I could have an elder or two, because I think people need prayer today. I think we need to be ready for it. Um, and then I'm going to ask more, one more thing. Now, in the office, this is just information for Emma, there's some little bottles of oil for anointing people. We'd like to do that as well. But can I encourage you today? We've had testimony last week of someone who got healed. God touched their, their eyes and their glaucoma was gone. Okay? So it happens. Let's have some more testimony, shall we? Of a God who heals and blesses and lifts and provides. Let's stand to worship. And if you'd like some prayer, please come.